Welcome to Touching Greatness. Thank you for being here. Six months ago, with a lot of love and excitement, I launched this podcast by sharing what I wanted this to be about and the conversations I wanted to be engaged in. Shortly after that, I had a bit of a health scare where I ended up in the hospital for six days. And while it was not life-threatening, really, it still made me reconsider what I was doing and what is important to me. So I entered a phase of introspection and much of my energy was being used to recover and reorient. So a lot of my projects that I had started remained open with no movement. And now, here I am, happy to share with you the first conversation. This conversation is with Fenlon Lamb. Fenlin is a creative force in the opera world. She began her career as an opera singer, and her acting regularly received critical acclaim and is some of the most stunning that I've ever seen on an opera stage to this day. And it's this connection to the drama, the acting part of her stagecraft that had her wanting to work with the larger arcs of the overall story and make the connections between the characters and themes to tell that story rather than being focused on a single character. Now she's an opera director and an educator. She's also the co-founder and artistic director of Paper Moon Opera Productions, which is an incredibly creative production company that uses alternative mediums like paper, um, for the sets and the costumes. It is incredible work. Now, I've known Fenlon for three decades now. Uh, we were married for a little more than one of those decades, and I'm so honored that we remain very close friends. She's an incredible leader, a visionary. She has this incredible way of bringing out the best in people and highlighting their talents whether they're students or seasoned professionals. I'm always moved and inspired by her courage and her compassion and her ability to continuously redefine herself and refine her skills to communicate the deepest human expression to as many people as she can. I certainly learned a lot from this conversation. Please enjoy. Here's a, a place I think we could start. Um, you have so many different hats that you wear and I'm just I know what you do and I know what you produce in the world I know what you create in the world but I'm super curious about uh, if someone asks you who are you what do you do what is your answer to that these days it's a funny one because if you're doing the job right you don't really see it um, as a director um, I think my my idea of how, how to do my job has really grown over the years. Um, I used to see it as moving bodies around the stage to tell a story. And then there was a time when I said, oh yeah, it's just um, geometry. It's like triangles and circles and squares to represent drama or comedy. And, you know, and people would sort of give me this look like what, what does that 
actually mean. And um, in truth, I think as I've um, learned how to direct better, really it's about providing a great environment for everyone on the team from singers to designers to even your maestro who's in the pit to you know your stage management and finding a way to bring all of these pieces together in collaboration um, to tell a story and um, <laughs> I, I think uh, the many hats are really just one big umbrella where you you sort of keep space for a whole bunch of people and you ask them if they're comfortable. You uh, find ways to speak their language a little bit more than maybe your own. Um, mm -hmm. I've always come from a very physical um, point of view uh, as a singer. Uh, everything was in my body first before it was anywhere else. And not everybody communicates that way. So um, it's really, the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, it's an exploration in collaboration. It's an exploration in relating to people. Um, and it, it feels very much like sort of rolling with the punches and feel, and, and, dealing with what comes up in the moment. You know, I'm here in New Orleans yeah. doing a Bohem and uh, the prop had quit yesterday. And so, <laughs> what you know, it's, it's the expectations of something. You can have a very high vision for something, but then reality sets in and you have to find a way to still tell the story to the best of your ability with everything that's in place. Um, yeah. This is awesome. There's so, so much in here. That <laughs> there's like 15 things I already want to just drill down <laughs> on. But one of the things you were mentioning is just around it being an exploration. And I love the part of it that's just collaborative and the relational part of it. But there's also this part where you have a vision as, as the director of a production, right? Like mm -hmm. you're bringing something from a seed of an idea, just a thought, figuring out the structures you need to be able to create that even before any of the work is done. Mm -hmm. And then somehow bringing other people into that vision, the singers, the opera company itself, all those things, right? Yeah. So one of the things, it's like you have to remain open. Yes. The thing I want to get into a little bit is like that, that fine line between willpower and remaining open to the moment and all that the moment presents. <laughs> Can you speak to that a little bit? <laughs> I, I laugh because it's, it's like my work right now. It's my, mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you've known me a long time. And what was the joke? What's my favorite part? <laughs> That's my favorite part of the hospital, <laughs> the inpatient room. What are my favorite flowers? Inpatients. Um, so um, I've never been a super patient person. And, uh, you know, I, I know that that has shown up in my work it, over the years of, you know, in frustration or yelling at some, you know, 
head carpenter who isn't getting the scene change done in 45 minutes and, uh, you know, and, and all this angst, you know, that I create for myself. Um, so as I've gotten older and wiser, perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've recognized that, you know, you just don't get anywhere with that kind of, this is how I had it in my head and this is how it should be. Um, you, you know, you certainly don't get anywhere creatively. And then mm. when you come right down to brass tacks, you don't actually, you can't create anything in reality if you have that mindset as well. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's like, staying open to the possibilities and you know when i when i work with my designers in paper moon it's all of the ideas are there and then you pull it down to three or four that really really tell the story and that really uh, bring an aesthetic to the piece that 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 jives with you know both my vision and the music and and the story itself and then when you're in the moment of on stage, creating the thing, doing rehearsals, you know, making sure that all the pieces and parts are coming together. You, you have to stay open because it is just, con you're constantly on your toes. Things are changing, you know, hourly. And, um, you, you know, especially these days, COVID is, mm, COVID yeah. has made it, it, it some sort of, you know, you can either look at, at it as some sort of fresh hell, or you can look at it as an opportunity to roll with it you know and and say great so the flower sellers got uh covid what does that mean all right well we'll wait for this many you know days and find out if she can come back and if not we're gonna just restage the whole thing because oh the banda is from a local high school so um yeah they couldn't come to any of the rehearsals until the final room run and wow that was a really <laughs> interesting final room run <laughs> um you know add seven people two playing drums four playing trumpets and one playing a piccolo into the middle of a tiny church base basement you know like good luck <laughs> so um but then there was still time to play right there was still time to get these high school kids uh, bought into the process and, and into a new process for them. You know, they had yeah. never been in an opera and acting, that's not something to do. They're a marching band, you know, so there's still time to play. I think that's the, the bottom line is this is play, right? Yeah. If you, if you look at it any other way, you get stuck. Hmm. That's cool. I think you just brought up something that, you know, there's this, um, there's this idea of how to change the world. And it's just one of the many ideas, but it's very, it's quite simple. So I refer back to it a lot. And it's, um, if you wanna change the world, come up with a compelling vision of the world you wanna live in, that's step one. And then step two is enroll others into that vision. Huh. And you just spoke about, about that, having to um, connect these kids into the vision of what it is in this playful way. Um, but do you, I guess the simple question I'm wondering is like, do you find that uh, that is 
how you do some of what you do. You find yourself having to enroll because you're like one of the things that is interesting to me is you come up with an idea like your your work as a director, let's say a new production. Mm-hmm. Somehow you have to get inspired about what you want to bring. Like, what vision do I want for this production? When do I want to set it? So there's some little thought, little impulse, little inspiration that you start from. And that seed starts to begin to get expressed through various layers. Um, I'm going to take that seed and this is this is what's coming to me for the costumes or this is the set design. This is This is the lighting design. These are the singers that it would be awesome to work with. And it keeps getting layered and layered and layered until you have something of form. And then, um, and then at that point, it's like you have to speak as clearly as you can about what is in your head to the people who have the expertise to take that idea and transform it into the actual matter of the vision that you have. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how that process um, goes for you or like what you know about that process, because there are so many different technical teams that you have to work with mm-hmm. so many different components of an opera company that you have to do be expressing your ideas to, to get them on the same page, to get enrollment and to get um, connection to that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you pretty much just described it. So I, I want, and I, I don't think I've taken a look at that because, you know, I surround myself with people who are open to trying things. Um, and I think that's fairly important. And, and Opera companies all have a certain structure. You know, there's a certain hierarchy that exists in a director designer team. Um, there's a certain way you go into the rehearsal room and, and work with the maestro and work with the singers and the stage management. And, and so it's sort of all um, experiential in the fact that, like, I was a singer, I went through parts of that. and you know, saw it from one angle and then I pulled over to direction and, you know, you can see it from this other angle. And so I think you start, you start seeing things from everybody's point of view and recognizing Mm. what, what it is you can offer them. You know, my stage management team doesn't need me to help them, you know, do paperwork, but what they do need from me is to, um, support some of the decisions they make administratively or in the moment with the props crew or, you know, bring them coffee for a, a moment because they're, <laughs> they're usually supporting everyone else, you know, or my singers don't necessarily need me to be at the costume fitting, but like, you know, how fun that they get to try in a costume and I get to ask, are you comfortable? Does this make you feel more in your character? Is there anything that you need for that? And then, you know, then you're collaborating with the costumer as well to, to, you know, for that same thing. And then she wants to show me what it is she thought would work well. And so it's kind of seeing everybody's perspective and um, the seed 
you know, the first idea often is, is a picture in my head or like one thing, you know, and the less resources and um, sort of things that are uh, really defined, the better it is, you know, because you, it's the problem solving portion of vision comes into play mm -hmm. when, when you don't have a lot of resources and when, you know, the, the stage is only this big or, um, you know, you, the elevator is only four foot by eight foot and you can't fit anything else in there by, you know, <laughs> I mean, just having those sort of obstacles creates a, um, a problem solving portion of the vision, yeah. uh, at least for me. And, and so, you know, a lot of times I would, describe my job as I'm just a really good problem solver mm -hmm. and not just for the practical, like physical stuff, but the, you know, the sort of more out there idea con conceptual stuff. Oh, well, we want to tell this story, but we have, you know, $10 and uh, guess what? we're going to edit the heck out of this vision and, and bring it down to something that's doable in that budget. I mean, uh, I've been, I've had visions of like when I was doing a Carmen and I was like tarot card tile, <laughs> or, you know, and then right. Jeff can take it as a set designer and go, okay, this is where we're starting. Is there a sun in the tarot deck? Yes, there is. Mm -hmm. Great. Let's put that up at the top and the proscenium so that, you know, I, it's a very um, sort of fluid and like you have to stay open process, right? Yeah. Because stuff will just pop in your head yeah. um, based on whatever set of, you know, confines that you are in. Yeah. So yeah, that's really cool. So it sounds like you've you. It's like abs going from an abstract idea into actual form, right? Going from the i the seed and the idea in your head to it actually becoming a production. It just sounds like you have um, people around you who are open, but also the the technical expertise for you to be able to. It doesn't sound like you need to really enroll them as much as like are presenting them with that idea in your head and they're able mm -hmm. to take take it and run with it in a certain way yeah i think that the the director designer relationship is less about enrolling because they're yeah they're in um mm -hmm. it's the singers maybe or you know convincing mm. a, a somebody who musically has it in their head one way so right can it be read a different way, um, dramatically, uh, physically, um, you know, those people, you sort of have to have them buy into the vision. But yeah. I think they're also so happy to be included in that vision, right? In, in, in saying, hey, this is, this is my thought for this. And uh, let's talk about this. Let's, let's figure together how to best tell this story, you know? Um, mm -hmm. 
and it just keeps coming back to that for me. Um, you want to connect with the audience. You're a singer, right? You want to tell the story the best way you know that, that affects them emotionally, um, either in laughter or tears. So um, you are not outside your body. <laughs> <laughs> You're in your body trying to produce this opera. So you need the outside eye and you have to be able to trust that outside eye. And that, I think that's the, that's the thing that's really comes into buying in. Do they trust you to have their best interest in the, at hand? Um, yeah, that's cool. I'm sure that's like a two-way street too. I mean, of course it is. Any trust is built on. I don't trust any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair You're enough. Ruining my vision. Come on, Alan. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, you, know, you, you sometimes get some amazing casts where it's just like you're like, please, please make you know, let me help you make these decisions or let me give you the environment. But yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes me think of like the thing you were just speaking about of trying to create an environment and tell the story in a way that really connects on an emotional level to whoever's watching. Um, and I think about this in terms of like when I was a musician, there's, there's like, uh, you could call it many different things, but there's like structure and emotion or form and flow. It's like, we need some structure to be able to inject energy into. And I'm wondering about that moment for you as a director, like that moment where it's not about the how-to, but that thing just clicks where that, the, that singer, uh, or it could be a big group, but, but they, they get it. And finally, it's not about the how-to, but they're actually embodying the character or the group. And then it becomes something of their own instead of something that, that like you're trying to get them to do. Yeah, I mean, I, there's times when I give notes and I go, please don't do that because Finland Lamb director told you to walk across that way, right? This is, right. Um, it's a constant struggle because all of our lives growing up as artists, we were trying to do it the right way that somebody was teaching us. And um there's so little time to put an opera together that we all sort of fall back on that. Okay, just do what, what this person says. Um, and then I, I did a fun experimentation here, <laughs> little experiment. Um, they had it all in their bodies. They had the blocking. It was, it was clear they, these were the points and they were getting it correctly. But there was no newness to the... I mean, mm. you have to, every time you do the opera, it has to be as if for the first time, otherwise you lose. Right. You have to read. You know, it's memorized. It. It's just memorized. And you yeah. might as well yeah. you know, be using the music at, at a certain point. Yeah. Right. So, and I, you know, I, I hate the part because this, this is almost hundred percent why I became a director was because there were so many directors when I was singing that said, I don't know, sketch something out and I'll see if I like it. And it was like, how 
dare you like do your <laughs> job give me something that you want to see and I will try to give it back to you and I will add my own things in but you know how dare you you know give me half your fee um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, I'm doing your job <laughs> yeah so you know I just I never I don't like to do that but there is a part where you, you have to allow for freedom and for you know newness and so I, I went in and I said, okay, so it's clear that you all know you're blocking and you all know the intentions that you have behind these, you know, words and got the phrasing and all, everything's great, but like, I'm not in your bodies. I cannot tell you, you know, I'm going to find some new things for you. Just go for it. You know, I, I don't care that things would go sideways. I prefer that they go a little sideways. If we can try it, find two or three new things. You know, we all kind of joked about it. I was like, well, I'm going to, Marcello's going to crab walk. <laughs> I was like, well, within reason, you know, within reason. But, but it was such a, um, I sat down and then we started the act, first act. And it's four guys having a fun time despite being freezing cold and, you know, not really having it all together in their little garret. And it was just um, sparkly and fun and new, even though most of it was exactly the same as, you know, the same movement, the same, uh, I hit him on this note with this, I, you know, I pass him the wine with this or, you know, it, it just had a, a, a freedom to it and, a, and a, oh, I get to put what I want to do in here. And then their bodies have this, oh, m muscle memory of this is where I stand when I sing this. And this is where I, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, I flop down on the bed for this phrase or so it, it just becomes important that it's not about my vision and my way of seeing the piece as much as it is of my understanding of what that looks like on the stage dramatically in order for an audience to understand what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. Where the bodies are moving. And then those bodies, those singers, how they understand their own character through those movements mm -hmm. um i love it i mean there's so much intentionality behind all of the all of what gets infused to a character and infused through direction and i keep um lately i've been thinking a lot about um it's like we are so bogged down by how to's mm. like we're constantly bombarded with the messages of like you know, five steps, how to do this, yeah. take, take this uh, ABC plan to, to be able to create this in your life. Um, yeah. But the more I think about it, you cannot, you cannot have a amazing performance. You cannot reach any point of excellence if you're focused on the how to. No. Yeah. Not at all. So I, I just find that it's like, yes, you have to know where to go. You have to know where to be. You know, have to understand what the intention is and all of these things. 
but somewhere beyond you have to reach way beyond that that has, stuff has to be in you so much that you're not thinking about it it's like you know if you, i think about it like sports if michael jordan or whoever looked back they'd be able to tell you sort of give you an answer of how they did something like how did you win that championship well i worked out in the morning i did this and i spent time you know shooting 100 baskets after every game but that doesn't really speak to the thing that's actually creating the excellence in in the moment and i it, it i think that's such an interesting thing to think about because at heart i don't really think anyone can really properly describe what it is that makes a one of those moments in time where everything is just in flow, everything is effortless, the magic is just happening because there's something beyond the how-to and a response to the moment and that openness that, that I think you've been talking mm -hmm. about so much. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's we all go, it's the magic of the theater because, yeah. you know, shit can be going sideways for, you know, two, three days before and then all of a sudden, it, it, it comes together, you know, yeah. I, I've, I've been involved in very few productions where you just feel like crap because it didn't come together, very few. And, you mm -hmm. know, through no fault of who, you know, whatever, it's, it's there's this, this necessity where you're all working so hard at a thing that I, I wonder if that if that group sort of energy of, of, of vision and thought and, and action all comes together in this way that it's like, well, it's gotta come through. It's gotta happen, you know? Yeah. Um, if one part of the production is a little bit weak, then another part of the production sort of pulls up a little higher for it and, and yeah. figures out ways to, to make it work, you know? Yeah. Um, and it is there's nothing there's nothing like being in the middle of a stage in the moment with a bunch of other people in the moment I think that that that's the magic that you know I, I say that I'll say to singers or actors or that the audience doesn't necessarily know how to sing amazingly beautiful music. They don't necessarily know how to act, you know, like we do, but they all breathe and they all understand connection. You know, they've, they've had that moment where they've connected with, you know, a friend from 25 years ago or, um, a stranger on the street that they just had this moment or that, you know, they've all had that. So when you're showing that to the audience, when you're showing that like breath in the moment, it, they're involved like right yeah. off the bat. And, and that's the openness of being in the moment on stage together, you know, with yeah. 50 musicians in the pit, 40 choristers, you know, all of the people on, sometimes there's dancers and it's like, that's the magic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's widespread <laughs> human openness and, and yeah. in the momentness. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's this guy, Stephen Kotler, and he does a lot of work on flow and he talks about that. There's like the flow, it's like a peak human experience. And I thought it was really cool. I didn't really, uh, I felt this, but I never 
heard it distinguished in this way, but like there's the flow of an individual performer. Uh, but that can also be fanned out to this huge macro scale of like including the audience, which is like mm -hmm. a group flow, like a huge audience at a at an opera or a concert. Yeah. And we've all felt it, or a sporting event. It's like when when you feel like you're connected to the team or the, the performer and you're part of the experience and the unfolding of, of that, that whatever is happening in that moment. Uh, I just love that he drew that comparison or not comparison, but like created a distinction around that group flow. Um, one of the other things that I want to tell you, we sort of got into this part of the conversation just because you were talking about coming up as a singer and having to do things the right way. And like you've been involved in so many, uh, like you've expressed yourself in this art in so many different ways as a singer, as a director, as a uh, production company founder, all of these things. So all along the way, what I also know of you is you've had some pretty incredible mentors, um, acting coaches and uh, vocal coaches and people you could go seek counsel on for all the, all the things for refining your craft in the way you wanted to refine your craft to help you express yourself in a, in a, the greatest capacity you could. Mm -hmm. So the thing I'm wondering about now is it relates back to exactly the thing I was talking about, how greatness lives outside of the how to, where did you start to understand that? Oh, wow. I'm hitting my own creative voice in this, in, in what I do now in directing or in singing or whatever you want to bring us into. And I'm wondering um, about that moment for you. Huh, that's interesting. I think my best mentors just found ways to um, get past my my mind, <laughs> my uh, perfectionism, my ah, yeah, sort yeah. of, you know, like my, oh, I have to do this correctly. They mm -hmm. found ways to uh, make it playful. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I can remember Patty, Patrice McGinnis was my first voice teacher and I came in singing folk music and all chest voice and, you know, it doesn't work for opera. You've got to have a pretty sizable head voice and be able to get some volume in there. And so we'd worked for some, you know, time and she said, okay, Fenlon, can you just make fun of a person singing the national anthem? And, you know, I busted out into this big old wonkin <laughs> you know, with a huge vibrato. And um, she goes, well, I hate to tell you this, but that's actually opera singing. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I think there's a part that, that um, the part that my mentors recognized in me was that you sort of had to get past the, 
the blocks of, well, this is silly, or this is not how I thought it would be, or this is how I think it should be, or, you know, all those, and that's, it's the exact opposite of being open, right? So um, I had to be open to the possibility that it was quite a ridiculous um, form of singing. <laughs> At that time, it seemed ridiculous to me. Or, you know, when I went into opera and um, was working with Chuck Hudson, and so for those first first couple of years when I was directing, of course, his, his voice was just coming straight out of my face. Um, mm -hmm. And that I took his, his ideas and physicalities and exercises and just the craft of acting and synthesize that with my um, very hands-on understanding of how to create character. And so, you know, for the first part, of course, everything that came out of my face when I was directing was some sort of Chuck. <laughs> it was some yeah. part of, of having been in productions with him. Um, and then for after a little while, it just became, this is my language. This is how I best understand to describe to other singers how to create character, how to find intentions, how to ground yourself in that craft without, you know, you sort of bypass the brain. I, th I think hmm. that, 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 that the brain shuts down. It, it, it gets very, it wants to decide how things should or could be. And as soon as you sort of shake that off and say, well, what if it could be another way? You know, that's a big thing that Chuck always said. What if you were a great actress, you know, to people who hadn't been done much acting as yeah. an opera singer? What if you, you, your best friend was dying in your arms? Okay, well then, you know, you have to put yourself in this open space of what if. Yeah. Um, which which gives you a lot more flexibility and a lot more expression yeah 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 the the creative voice that emerged from from all of the work that you did with your mentors all the tools you learned uh was just a matter of of staying with that stuff long enough that knowledge and then it just slowly became yours in your own language and your own way of seeing these things. So yeah. am I getting it? And yeah. I feel like one of the things that my team always says about me is, <laughs> is that they come to me with these crazy ideas and they're certain I'm gonna say no. And I go, no, let's let's check it out. Let's see what could happen. <laughs> so um, I think it's exactly that. It's like I, I was surrounded by people who were teaching me, who taught me to stay open for mm. stuff like that and to, to encourage people to think for themselves and try stuff. And, you know, I, uh, even my parents are like that, you know, they're, they're pretty, yeah. like, <laughs> they're pretty much like, go for it. Yeah. Do the same. yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. why would we have any, you know, say on how you should live your life or what you should do with it or how you should think you know it's like please think for yourself um so i guess you know 
I always think of this, like, I think, oh, God, I wish I had gotten into directing so much earlier, right? Because this is really feels, directing and teaching feel like the thing that I'm supposed to be doing or the thing that, you know, not that I always want to be doing, <laughs> you know, there right, are always, yeah. <laughs> it's still work, it's still work, Yeah, but it feels it's right. how you want to be expressing. Yeah. How you yeah, want to be expressing. Because when I was a right singer, now. there were just, I just was so, you know, you know how it was. I came home from all the gigs going. <laughs> the, the love hate was big with my singing career. Um, that dichotomy was just huge. Yeah. But in this, it's like, it, it's, you know, I, I I wanted it to be, I wanted to be a director earlier, but I never would have been the director that I am if I hadn't had all of those things to sort of wend my way into it. Uh, and have your directing lay on top of as foundation. Yeah. Yeah. The experiences of, you know, being a singer for 15 years, like I, you know, I don't, I think singers trust me because of that because I'm not, you know, been on the other end of that. And I, you know, I don't want to be that person who says, sketch it out. We'll see if I like it. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. There's so much here. Um, I want to be mindful of time and we can start sort of winding, completing and winding things down. Um, I want to ask a couple more questions. One is around exactly what you just talked about, of like not just singing, but um, just being a, an artist, being a musician, being an opera director. These, these are, this is work that you do because you just have no option to do other anything else. And I'm not talking about like no option in terms of I'm not able to get another job. It's just like the, the the pull from your heart somehow mm -hmm. has you just wanting to give all your all to the these these ways of expressing yeah and at the same time some of these like it's really challenging profession i remember when i retired from orchestra just being able to go to see a jazz concert on friday night because i wasn't working was it was such a like a novel <laughs> like whoa this is crazy yeah. You know, so there's a lot of sacrifice and there's a lot of um, it is completely counter to the society and culture we grow up in. Mm -hmm. um, and counter to a lot of what the narrative is about what we should be creating for ourselves and the lives we should be creating for ourselves. So one of the things I'm super curious about is like what drives you? Is there a North Star of sorts that has you keep showing up saying, I know this is really freaking hard, but I'm going to show up again and again and again and again. <laughs> Glutton for punishment is what it is. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> uh, you know, I've had, it, it, it's been really interesting to sort of talk about that with my friends that have been in the business for a really long time. And you know, a lot of people left during COVID. Yeah. A lot of people just said, nope, not doing this. Um, I, I found myself saying that a couple times in, in that 
if it's all going to be on Zoom and we're all going to be scared out of our minds to, to make art, I'm out. You know, like I, I knew that there was a limit for me, but every time there's, there is some magical thing and there is some connective moment that, you know, it's like, there's nothing like sitting in the room with a bunch of other artists who are expressing themselves in this Olympic way, right? Because so, opera singing is just huge. And um, you sit there and, and the whole, your body is filled with sound and emotion and just sort of awe, you know? And, or, you know, you, you watch your work and you see this person come from, uh, you know, not quite knowing how to do the thing and then just succeeding on such a grand scale or, you know, you run into a, an assistant director who's just like so excited to be part of the process and the collaboration is great or, you know, your set designer has this just like the thing that was in your head and it shows up on stage and and you know there's there's just a million really special little moments that that make it worth it you know to mm. pack up your suitcase get on a plane go to somewhere new try to figure out the transportation system figure out who these people are in the room with you and can you help them you know like just all of these new things that uh, you do every month um, I sat down here and I'd had this conversation with Brett Finley who's I've known for 10 years she's been in the business for 45 years now as a stage wow. manager. And so she thought, oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to, you know, right before the pandemic, she was like, I think it's time to retire. And then she said, not like this. I don't want to go out like this. This is not oh, how then, I want to yeah. go out. So now she's just choosing things, you know, projects that she really wants to work on and with people that she loves. And so it just so happened that, you know, they were looking for a stage manager. And I said, Brett, you know, come down and do this. She was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. So we're having this conversation, walking around the park going, why the hell do we do this? Like, sometimes I <laughs> fucking hate it, you know? Like, I just want to just tell everybody to, ah, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> I just want to stay home in my little cocoon. And and then we sat down and, and then, you know, the maestro is talking about his, this is like his hundredth performance of Boam. And, and he has all these little nuanced understandings of the music and the moments and the theatrics of the thing and and this whole new cast of people gets up there and sings this thing that you know arguably no one should be interested in anymore but it is mm, it's I you know every time I get to act three and then we get to act four and they're having so much fun in Boheme and they're playing and then in comes Mimi and she's coughing and dying. And I still think, is this the time that she doesn't die? Is this the time, you know, that it's, you know, she just like lives through this one. And then is this the time that, you know, I can 
or I think, is this the time that I can just let go entirely and weep my brains out, you know, because that tenor had such a, those last two, maybe, you know, are just so heart-rendingly like cathartic, you know? So, so then Brett looks at me and we're, we're both sitting there practically weeping when this time comes around for the first time to hear a new set of people do this thing. And she, she just wrote on a post-it, this is why, and then circled it in a big heart. (laughs) So that's why, you know, yeah. all, these, all these little moments that just yeah. are so special. That's, oh gosh, it gets me. That's beautiful. I know. <laughs> and it sort of, um, there, there are a couple things that stick out to me. Your whole approach to all of your work requires a certain, well, it doesn't require, but you bring a certain openness to it that helps you create it's like without that openness you wouldn't be seeing these moments which is sort of like a funny thing to think about you know it's like no wonder you're still in it and engaged with it because you have an openness to the creative process but also openness to receive the magic that comes from the creative process the the thing that fuels you and then the other thing that um it made me think about is just kind of where we started the conversation um you know, you were just explaining what you do and who you are in the world. It was like, the best I can say is I explore collaboration and the the relational part of it that um, is the part that's sticking out to me. That like, that thing about helping people feel a little bit more human or that it's okay to be human or feel human things. Um, yeah, that's really important work thanks yeah i feel like that's how i always wanted to be as a singer too was yeah i want to make people feel things yeah so um you know i feel things a little bit too much if you ask anybody else but (laughs) you know (laughs) if you ask anybody else i won't ask (laughs) (laughs) um there's so much here uh, you know, just talking about openness, the creative process, how to, um, how you uh, navigate just creating something in the world, um, going from like a seed of an idea or a thought in your head to a full-blown production. I think there's a lot here for people to listen into and get something for themselves, but I'm also curious of just from your own experience, I think there's a lot here, not only appropriate or like, uh, what do you know about your process that isn't just for the process of the stage, but like can be used for your own actual growth? I mean, there was a lot you were talking about just intention and mm-hmm. um, how to embody a character and just being open, all these things, but I'm just curious about what you see in in that well I for a long time I've kept work very separate from my personal life my emotional growth my you know relational relationships um but I I I see more and more those you know cross uh 
the angles where they all, they sort of meet. And mm-hmm. um, I, I guess, you know, as much of, of, of this business that is planning, it's not the fun part, right? Mm-hmm. So it is literally the being in the moment that is the fun part. <laughs> you know, being open to just being in the moment with somebody or a situation or um, a possibility, that is, um, that's uh, golden. It makes everything better. It makes, mm. you know, you don't, you don't have to second guess anything. You don't have to worry. You don't have to have any anxiety or regret or you, you get to be like right there, you know? And I also, I still use for like everything, this idea of, hmm, I want to learn to express myself better. However, I feel hemmed in by my, you know, upbringing. So I explore, you know, journaling, um, research different things about um, growing up with um, an adult child of an alcoholic, or I, you know, like this acting technique that that I Uh. use for like, creating character and intention right it's a it's objective obstacle and then verbs to overcome that obstacle and so it's like it makes things pretty simple if if it it's a problem solving technique right um yeah yeah so you know on this more sort of woo woo side of being open and and allowing that to just be how you experience people places things, events, and then on a more practical level of being able to just break it down into, I want this, this is getting in the way, so I do this. If you can stop yourself long enough, you know, from spinning out and just do that, you do it, you know, you get, you, you get some yeah. clarity. Yeah, that's awesome. I've always appreciated that. Um that framework that first time you told me about it so cool it's just a such a rich conversation i think i'll be thinking about this for a while um i also want to uh you know you're all over the country you have your own production company just let people know where they can see some of your work how they can uh find where you're directing the next opera maybe it's in their town or maybe someone just wants to connect with you Cool. Um, so fenlandlam.com is supposed to tell you where I'm directing things that are not from Paper Moon, but I, I don't know that I've updated my <laughs> calendar of late because the last time we updated it, I had to say COVID canceled, COVID canceled, oh, COVID man. canceled. So, but there is fenlandlam.com to sort of get a feel of that. And, um, and then papermoonopera.com is uh, a little bit more process oriented and it has the whole team on there and um, sort of what we're about. Um, you know, next next up, I'm going to Bavaria so uh, to do some teaching. So uh, welcome to come over there. <laughs> uh, but then, in, you know, the next season is, um, I'll be down in Amarillo doing our new Barber of Seville production and then 
there's a possibility of a Hansel and Gretel. And uh, I think I'm going to be doing Chenarentula in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, actually, in January. And a couple other things coming up, but I no contract signed, so I can't really say. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Lastly, anything you'd like to just leave the audience with? Any uh, request? Any just thought? Hmm. Um, you know, I just appreciate having a, a great open dialogue with you, Alan Santos, <laughs> <laughs> friend of many years, um, and and that uh, you've always been a, a sounding board for me and. That means a whole heck of a lot. So <laughs> thanks. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this conversation with Fenlon Lamb. Please go check out some of her work at our website. Some of the production stills and some of the pictures she has up are really breathtaking to see. I'm looking forward to being with you next time. And as we part, I'll leave you with these words of Henry David Thoreau. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams.